Wrestling fans, this episode is brought to you by Spartan Combat. And right now you can go to SpartanCombat.com and buy the replica singlet of what Kyle Dake wore last year at the Olympic Trials. It's a great way to get fitted up and geared up for the freestyle and Greco season. Go to SpartanCombat.com and click on the Kyle Dake Olympic Trials replica singlet. SpartanCombat.com but I went ahead and got my degree and then I applied their law school. I came at the bottom of the rung at Notre Dame law school. He said, I'm now a lawyer. I finished at the top of that class. I'm a lawyer here in uh, New York city and coach. It was wrestling. They got me through. He said, I thought back to the, how tough the practices were, how much you had to uh, apply yourself. And I got to thinking, well, if I can do that, I can overcome anything. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort it humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. This is your host, Ryan Warner. It's so good to be back with you. Monday, May 23rd, coming to you from Chicago IL. Our guest today is the great Ernie Jones, a legendary high school wrestling coach from Oklahoma. Coach Jones has coached 121 state champs and over eight team state championships. One of his wrestlers includes the great Kenny Monday, who Coach Jones coached back in the 70s. This guy is a wealth of knowledge and stands for everything that's great about wrestling. I can't wait for you to hear this interview. Fan of the week goes to our friend Daniel Fell, a business development specialist down in Spring, Texas, a former wrestler for Marquette, and a listener of this here podcast. Daniel, thank you so much for the support, my friend. I greatly appreciate it. And without further ado, let's give it up for the great Ernie Jones. Coach Ernie Jones, welcome to the podcast, sir. How are you? Hey, I'm fine. It's uh, glad to be with you, sir. It's awesome to have you, man. I've had uh, a couple of your former wrestlers reach out and, you know, they've always just said the impact you've had. And so that's your perfect example of, you know, the power wrestling can have on people. And uh, we're going to get, we're going to get to your coaching career at Booker T at Webster and at Cassia. But I just want to start with a quote. I heard you say when you were in high school, you were a high school sophomore and you were going nowhere fast and uh basically the wrestling coach approaches you coach billings and that kind of changed your life so talk to us about your life before wrestling entered the picture 
Well, exactly that. You know, I, I tell it like this. Uh, up until about, I lived out in the country, rode the school bus, and in seventh grade, I uh, had a girlfriend, and after school, instead of everybody was went off walking around with my girlfriend, I was on a school bus, and so I say I got cool, Coach, about that time, Ryan. I got cool and started getting off the school bus, and things kind of went south from that point. Uh, grades weren't as good as they used to be, uh, and so here I am adrift my sophomore year in high school. I mean, I don't have a thing going. My grades are bad, and that's where it all gets started. Did you have any goals for yourself in life at that point? Oh, no, not at that point. I, honestly, it's it's a shame to be that far along and just kind of out there. This was it was mid October, and uh, that we had a brand new high school. We we're on Route sixty six there in Sepulpa, Oklahoma, and they built a brand new high school just across block away across the highway. And they came on the PA Ryan, and they said, "Hey." New school is supposed to open in September, but it's October now, and uh, we're just now getting it finished. And the doors are wide open, and we don't. Nobody should be on that campus, let alone in that building. And as soon as school was out, me and this old boy, that's the first thing we did was went over there, <laughs> and we're walking down this shiny. I don't know why we're just walking down this shiny, brand new hallway. I don't know it have ever been walked on except by the workers, and came to the gym floor and. All the way at the other end, we heard a noise. It was and the whistles blowing and this and that. And we walked and peered in. And the worst possible human that you could see when you're not supposed to be somewhere was our coach Jerry Billings, who had been my seventh grade, eighth grade health and physical education teacher. And he's oh, he was Oklahoma A and M graduate. Uh, and he saw us looking in the window, came charging, and I swear if I hadn't used the bathroom earlier, I would have done it right then because he, <laughs> he had taken the board to us way back in middle school, junior high. He slammed that door open and we just froze. And he said, you guys want to wrestle? We never answered that question. Walked us straight down to the locker room and gave me a pair of Converse basketball shoes and a pair of gym shorts and said, you can work out in that T-shirt. And I've been there ever since. Wow. I think that was just, honestly, I think that's a good Lord looking down and thinking, I got to do something with this guy. Let's try this. And, and, and so, you think about how many kids out there who don't have a coach Billings and they just go through life. And the next thing you know, they're like 35, 40 and they don't know where they're going. It's just, uh, it's the power of coaches. I think he's a godsend. And honestly, from junior high, I didn't like the guy. He was cocky. He was arrogant. Uh, but I delivered the eulogy at his funeral. Uh, he, he proved out to be a guiding force in, in my life. And wrestling, of course, was the avenue. And he, what you said, he used a board on you. So when you grew up, that was commonplace for teachers oh, to do that? Kidding me. Holy moly. I, one incident, we were swinging on a when The way it's class work, and I'll make it short and sweet, but you – you got your stuff on, you got, you sat in your rows and he, and when he entered the floor, everything was pinned quiet. And if you wasn't, he was punished. We were playing around on some rope swinging out on the stage one day and he caught us and he took us down and made us pull our shorts on that one and gave us three. And it's the most painful thing. But I remember he, he would use that board in a heartbeat. And that went on for a long time, Ryan in Oklahoma, maybe till the, at 1980, something like that. 
What would have happened if your uh, if your folks would have called in back then, or was that just totally out of the question? Not a thing would ever been said. No. <laughs> I love hearing about those old days. And so you get involved with wrestling, place at the state meet, but then I thought it was cool that you didn't go on to college. You went to college right away, but then kind of fell off, and then you end up going to night school, right? No, I'll tell you what I did. Uh, the uh, I. I uh, I made the team as a sophomore. The toughest guy in the room grabbed me, and that was the greatest thing that ever happened. And uh, I think he taught me to wrestle twice as fast as anybody ever would because he was so good, and I was his partner. So I, I made the team a sophomore year. I had a winning record. I didn't qualify for state, but I did place a fourth my junior and thought I was going to win it my senior year. There's a little mess up in the regional, uh, but I wound up third in state. So – then I, I didn't get any offers, certainly. This is Oklahoma, so you don't get third-place offers. And, and uh, But I wanted to wrestle, but I worked a year and then had an opportunity to go to Northwest Missouri State in Maryville, Missouri. And and I went, had a semester there, did well, uh, working out at home at Webster High School. I was a national champion. Dwayne Miller was the coach at the time. And I asked if I could work out with him on Thanksgiving. And he kind of doubtful it was like you know well i guess and i was able to by wednesday i'd probably beat everybody in the room and he finally just asked who in the hell are you anyway and he had good connections with oklahoma got me set up to go meet assistant athletic director named port robertson and to wrestle at oklahoma and i was in my second now time is passing i had a car wreck broke my jaw had to wait a semester uh, got there and got port let me get in the room second semester off to a good start this is the height of the vietnam war and uh, i get drafted into the vietnam situation and i passed the physical because the head coach at ou is tommy evans and when i got drafted i was carrying 15 hours of b and uh, 15 hours supposed to get you out of it i was, was I wasn't trying to avoid the draft. I wanted to wrestle. And he got me in the Air National Guard, but I had to go take my third physical, which I'd passed the first two. Uh, and I, every one of them, I indicated that I had asthma, uh, but it wasn't a factor to me, wasn't a factor to the Army, but I signed up for the Marines. They didn't accept me, I guess because of the asthma. They never gave me an explanation. So I'm adrift again. I'm old. I'm in late 20s. I'm adrift again. So how come you didn't just keep wrestling if you didn't get drafted into the Army? Because if you take set out a year, started, then laid off, uh, that car wreck and everything, and by the time I got would be eligible at OU, I would have had a semester left. I had to pull out it. I had to pull out it at the end of the – first semester because I was drafted. I had to quit school. If I'd have gone back and got eligible, I just had a semester left. I figured, you know, I just kind of gave up. I said, I can't do it. I'm not going to get to do it. So, so I'm adrift again, marry a wonderful woman, still adrift though. And then one day she tells me, uh, we're going to have a baby. And I got to looking at my life. I thought, I don't have a single thing going for me working every day, but I don't have anything. And, I asked her if I could, uh, well, I, I joined this blue tea club as a coach and I would spend five years there. Uh, so I'm getting older by the minute, you know, 
but it was wonderful five years and it was a great organization. Uh, I got to coach a one city Tulsa at one time, Ryan was, it was a hotbed of wrestling in Oklahoma, Tulsa central. I don't know. You've checked up on Tulsa central. Mm-mm. It holds, if you look up Tulsa central, uh, and your record books, uh, I think it still has a record for national champions. It did for a long time. And then behind them, uh, I think I think Webster was about fifth as far as producing national champions. In other words, Tulsa was a hotbed for wrestling. And uh, so uh, I got into that program. And at one point, I got the courage up to ask my wife if I could go back, get my degree. She thought she was mistaken, but she thought teachers made money, you know, somebody with a certificate. <laughs> But I did go to night school and I would work day. I worked day. I went to school in days and worked nights and uh, was managed to get my degree. And uh, uh, another miracle takes place. You mentioned uh, Booker T. Washington. You mentioned Ed Lacey, the famous football coach the other day. And I uh, I got the head wrestling job there because I never had coached in high school. Ryan. So here I am. I've got that record at the Blue Tea Club, which was, but I, uh, I got the Booker T job. That was the most, that was the, that's the star of the, of the North side community, the black community in Tulsa, but they were going to desegregate it that particular year. And I got the job, honestly, I think because they had not been very successful at wrestling. It didn't even go to the regional the year before. I think I got the job because nobody else wanted it, but i tell you what, I wanted it, and it's probably one of the greatest blessings that's ever happened to me. Except that first paycheck, uh, that I, she didn't speak to me for about two weeks on that deal. She thought it was seriously. Like, she said, "You think is this like a bonus or a stipend or something?" I said, "No, that's that's my paycheck." And <laughs> she'll, she'll tell you about it right now. <laughs> so what? So so many great moments you just mentioned there. I want to go back to you leave Oklahoma. All you wanted to do was just wrestle in college. You didn't get a chance to do that. And no. so you're kind of adrift. Are you having like, as you're driving to and from work, you have a kid now, are you starting to have some self-pity? Are you down on yourself? Like how'd you manage to get out of that mental state to something higher? I'm going to tell you something. When she, now she was a wonderful, she, I, we've been married 55 years. She was big. She's a wonderful, strong woman, but I was so out of it. I just, I mean, I worked every day. I just was loose and, and kind of in a dangerous part of my life. Nothing, just I was mm-hmm. quick, quick to anger, I guess you might say. Okay. Uh, so I guess I was really, you know, just hating where I was in life. And then, um, but then she said the magic word and then she's going to have a child. And that made me think I need, I need something. And then I thought of wrestling and I got into a program and then I got to thinking, you know, I could do this, but I'm going to have to teach. And, so it just, uh, it all fell together. It just came. To, and again, I think, honestly, I believe it's God. I really yeah. do. I think he looks at all of us and he gives us an opportunity every time. It has a lot of patience, but sometimes we don't pay attention to that. I listened on a few occasions. <laughs> yeah. And you get to the blue, blue tea program. Now I never heard of that until coming upon the research for our conversation, but rumor has it. And you've, you told me this last week, this is one of the most, legendary kids clubs in Tulsa at this time. And how did you get that job? Well, I, once I decided uh, that I wanted to do something with my life, I, I just 
went down and joined. Uh, and it was it is the west side of Tulsa, west of the river where the the refineries are, and blue, hard working blue collar people uh, worked at the refinery or worked on the railroad there. And like I say, if you check that out, you check the number of national champions. Rodney Kilgore would come out of there. Uh, tremendous uh, output of national champions. So. They started this club, this Blue Tea Club. At first, it was football and basketball. Then, they, of course, the guys came back from World War II. They they put wrestling into it. And, oh, it was. Let me tell you something. Boy, they they turned out some wrestlers. It was it was well known. It was the Now, let me stress. It's the original Blue Tea Club. There's one. In, as time passed, somebody stole the title, took it across the river. But that was not the Blue Tea Club I was in. And... That booty club, that was Robertson Rules of Order or something like that. I mean, it was strictly run and uh, it was a business, but they produced some great programs. They really did. So to be a member of that and won city championships. And I'm telling you something, to win that city championship, that was doing something because that Tulsa was a hotbed at that moment of wrestling. And uh, it's gone away now. Like all inner cities, it kind of fades away, you know. But uh, I won f- four out of five city championships and had it just had a it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Did you you, uh, you you start to realize that you have a gift for coaching and a gift of communicating? Is this something that's like internal to you or like parents coming up to you and saying you're or kids coming up to you? Like, when did you start to get that confidence that you were starting to develop some skills in the coaching realm? You know, it, it, success breeds uh maybe overconfidence to some point you get to thinking that you're probably the best thing around, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and so that boosters your feelings. I really was confident that, that I could coach at the high school level. Um, and I thought I'd be a success, but maybe just being young and somewhat ignorant, ignorant sometimes it's not a bad thing. It kind of shields you, you know, from the truth, but, uh, I just came out of there feeling like I, uh, I could whip the world. I really did. And I thought it was good. I did. And I didn't say, I don't say it. I was the greatest technician in the world, but I could, I could teach you how to wrestle. And, and I believed in them. I, this is an all black school. It, they integrated it at that point, but it was 50, 50 at that point, but it was the pride of the black community. And, uh, I was just tremendously excited about it. And, First day of practice, Ryan, I had 30 kids. I thought, man, I'm on my way. And I had a normal practice. Next day I had 13. Um, this is that Booker T now, right? This is that Booker T. Okay. I had 13 kids. I thought, well, okay, maybe that first day was a little rough. But by the end of the year, I had 21. We uh, we went five and six, five and uh, yeah, five and six in duels. Uh, beat one of the old time powers in the city of Tulsa, Will Rogers High School in my last duel. So I thought, well, I'm on my way now. Uh, but it skyrockets after that, it does. Now tell me about Booker T. Washington High School. Were there a lot of white teachers there during that time? Or were you one of yeah. the few? I know. No, what they did, they the high school I, I interned at was uh, Tulsa Hill. And Tulsa Hill and Booker T. switched principals. The black principal at Booker T. came to Hill and the white principal went to Booker T. And so it was a mixture. And the population of the school was exactly 50 white, 50 black. Now, there might have been some other minorities in there. Yeah. 
and it was privileged to get in there. You had to, boy, you had to carry a certain grade point. And like I say, it's the pride of that community. It still is. And uh, a remarkable school and very successful at football and basketball. Uh, and that had a, the head football coach, you mentioned him the other day, was Ed Lacey, and he was a brilliant football coach and a brilliant member of the community. And he had tremendous success at football. Uh, and he had taken his football team off the football field one year and and had some champions, had some great champions. The, the skill was there, the athletes. He didn't know how to wrestle, but those guys were just – so anyway, I knew I had wrestled against him in high school, as a matter of fact. And I just felt good about it. I just thought I'm going to get to build a program here. And yeah, it just, uh, it was just seven of the greatest years I've ever had because we, uh, we lived together. We wrestled, we, we created a pretty strong bond. So you lived with Ed Lacey? No, no, no. Oh, no, the kids. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Cause I, I had read that Ed Lacey, did he create the program there the year before you took over? No, he had one year he had coached it. I don't know if it's one or two years. When we wrestled against him in high school, Ed Lacey was the coach. Okay. And and they were really good. We had a state champion heavyweight and we went to Booker T to wrestle and our heavyweight state champion and their heavyweight named Ed McQuarters, who was all pro in the Canadian league, uh, some sort one of their greatest players eventually uh, played with him like he was a toy. It was pretty impressive. Uh, had a couple state, had maybe two or three state champions, but he turned it over to another guy. And by the time I got there, it was like I say, they didn't even go to the regional the year before. Wow. So but, you're, you're taking over a program that's from bare bones wrestling, but I just want to spend a second on the football because, you know, we all love Oklahoma wrestling and it's huge there, but I got to imagine high school football in Oklahoma, massive, like biggest oh. thing in the world. And so, to have a team like Booker T, I mean, they must have been just the talk of the town back then, the football oh, team. They were. They were. And I tell you, my so I get the head job wrestling. I'm really excited. Then I get told that I'm going to be an assistant football coach. And I just, well, now think about this. I don't know crap. They're the champions. So I go to Mr. Lacey and I'd say, Mr. Lacey, I don't know anything about football. Y'all, you'll be all right, coach. He said, I'll put you with one of our, uh, our assistants. And then, so that first day I'm with the assistant, we're over there with about nine very good looking offensive line and defensive linemen doing those early drills, you know, little chopping. Da, 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 da. And he starts it. I'm standing there just scared to death. And he says, take over coach. I'm going to go talk to Mr. Lacey. Well, <laughs> All I could do is da, da, da. <laughs> after about three minutes, all those guys were looking at me like, what the, what's wrong with this guy? But I couldn't stop. I didn't know anywhere to go. And so I went home that night, Ryan, I got me a book. I had drills up and down both arms written in my pants pockets. I, <laughs> uh, and I never had that problem again, believe me. But Mr. Lacey let me be a part of the program. And I learned there's running the wishbone, you know, uh, pretty simple offense, honestly. And uh, um, so I've coached football my entire career too, starting. Oh, so there. you kept going after that in oh, football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, the first ones I brought uh, into the room that second year, I brought, I brought some off the first year, but the second year I really, I brought in much. I, I was feeding off the football program and, uh, and they were the ones I came in that room were, superstars they're really athletes they were you know 
you could teach them to wrestle and they had the guns and they had the power to do it. The first year also, there was two hot shots in, in the, the Tulsa Junior Wrestling Association that, that the Blue Tea competed in named Thomas Landrum, who took a fifth in the nation one time. He got the Outstanding Fall Award. And another young man named Rodney Hooks. Rodney Hooks wrestled uh, once. He was in OU for one semester. He had originally signed with Fletcher Carr in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. It didn't work out. But OU had been after him the whole time. So when they came back, but it was a situation, Ryan, where he had at one point African-Americans kind of got pushed along whether they were doing right or wrong in school. And he didn't have a very high reading level, but he was a real smart young man. This Rodney Hooks, he was one of the greatest wrestlers I've ever had. He wow. he had one match in college for OU. He still holds the fastest fall record at the University of Oklahoma. And he wrestled All-American from up, no, up north there somewhere. I forget if it was... But that was third in the state the nation the year before, I think, and pinned mm-hmm. him record time. So he's still on the books. But I got him. They were still in freshmen. Freshmen could not wrestle in the Tulsa Public Schools at that time. And they, I just stole them. I took them everywhere I went. I put them in my car. I took them to high school duels with me. I wrestled them exhibition, probably completely against the rules. Uh, and I just kept them under my arm. And when I say we lived together, I picked them up. I took them home. I did anything I could do to help them. We slept together. That first year, I tried to get into a very famous tournament in, in Tulsa called the Edison Tournament. And none of the Tulsa schools would let me in their tournament because you know, we weren't considered good enough. Uh, but by the third year, we got in those tournaments. But So we had to travel across the state to different tournaments, and I asked them if we could we didn't have means of money, so we slept in the gym, and they would let us sleep in the gym. The gym. That's right, Ryan. I'm gonna tell you something. It's not a bad deal because you don't have to worry about getting up and going away, and you're already there. And we just took a we'd sleep on the mats, so the practice room. Did that quite a bit, but you know what? And we traveled in a van. I bought a van. It was a passenger van, not a passenger van. It was a cargo van, and I put shag carpet in it. My brother-in-law put me some good-looking wood panel walls in it, and we slept in it. We traveled in it. You could get 24 people at it. He didn't have any seats. No, just 24? You couldn't get 24. Now, of course, when I was traveling to wrestling, I just had a team, but yeah. I've had it. But we we traveled in it. Uh, you, you get pretty tight when you're sleeping in the gym floor. Now, when we're in Tulsa, when we finally started wrestling in Tulsa, I could take them home during the breaks and, and to my home and everything. But uh, wow. you get a pretty close tie when you do it that way, you know. And uh, those guys, uh, I, I talk to them all the time. Uh, they call me. We just had a good thing going. We really did. And when you when you start to get these guys in the program and for folks who don't know your teams at Booker T you won four straight in the late seventies took second in 1980. So you're, you're rolling at this point. And, uh, and then at some point, the one, the only Kenny Monday rolls through the doors. When did you first lay eyes on the great Kenny Monday? Well, the Monday family uh, is Mike, Jim and, uh, and uh, Kenny 
and a wonderful family. And they, the two older boys, was wrestling at Tulsa McLean. Now, that's the other North Side school. And uh, Mike was a national champion. He wrestled for Bobby Douglas. Excuse me. He was a state champion. He wrestled for Bobby Douglas at Arizona. And Jim, uh, he kept getting beat in the state final by this guy named Leroy Smith. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, so, but he was a great wrestler, obviously. That's the only guy that beat him. And so Kenny was growing, coming up. He was, everybody who knew, and look here, I didn't even have a thought that I would get Kenny Mundy in my program. But in 1976, our third year of our program, we put six in the finals. <sighs> put seven, put six in the finals, and we won the state championship first night. Uh, now, the Monday parents, Elizabeth and Fred, are Booker T graduates. They're watching this situation, okay? Jim has graduated. Mike's already gone. Uh, and they were Booker T graduates, and they were watching. And they just made it. Now, here's a problem, though. Still, Tulsa Public wasn't allowing freshmen to wrestle on the high school team. Mm-hmm. Mondays began to go to the service center, not unbeknownst to me. And, and and getting that situation set up. So they finally, the governor's open in Norman that spring. Uh, they called me up into the stands and they said, hey, coach, uh, uh, we're, uh, Kenny's thinking about coming to Booker T. And I was just, oh, I was just awestruck. I just went, oh, my gosh. Because he was like a legend in the kids' ranks already or was he kind of an unknown quantity? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Kenny Monday. And, uh, you know, uh I just was, and so we're getting ready to wrestle a freestyle match right at that moment. I'm going to go down and coach him for the first time. Got beat. I thought, well, I blew this deal right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> but they overlooked that one. And uh, he came in there into the room. We were already state champions, and there was guys in that room. He was a little old skinny hunter. And, oh, I think the weight was, uh, might have been, they've changed the weight. So I think it was 15. He was the second man up. And uh, there was guys in that room that could handle him. You know, he's a little bitty guy. And so he was surrounded by champions and uh, people he had grown up with. So he fit right in. He was very quiet. I I always, uh, the whole time he was there until his senior year, then I I think he decided that that he is a coach. I said, where in the heck have you been the last three years? All of a sudden, you're going to be the coach here. (laughs) But uh, it was a wonderful experience. And uh, he fit right in with those guys. And the only hand, by the way, that number five title, a little politicking went on, I guess, across the state. And they decided that they was going to readjust their, their uh, you know, we have different classifications. By then we had uh, three classifications and we were in the number two. And they decided we need to, since we were uh, a magnet school that we needed to be in the big class. We have a thousand students, everybody else, two, three, 4,000 kids. And, uh, they push us up politics-wise. and Midwest city had a powerful team at that time. And, but I really thought we go in there. I think, well, we can handle it. We'll do our best. We wrestled to our form and, and to get our bonuses. And we did everything Ryan. I thought we could do that. Midwest city just did a little bit more. I was going to ask you about that. 1980, you take second. You know, you're, you were going for five in a row. They bump you up, and you hey, guys. Hey, man. we'd have walked walk through. And that was before they had dual state. Or we'd have had, we'd have had a bunch of titles there, Eight too. Eight titles, yeah, four more probably. So at this point, you know, you're going down to the Oklahoma State Tournament. 
how how popular and how like how big of a deal is the Oklahoma wrestling tournament back then? It's yeah, yeah, it's a be- it's beauty. It's it's it, it's the main thing. And at that time they're moving it around a little bit. They finally settled down in the Oklahoma Fairgrounds and they're wrestling it there. But uh, one time we wrestled uh, we we wrestled at Gallagher a whole bunch. Wow. And that was really, I think, special there to wrestle at Gallagher. But it's big. No, it's it's a big deal. And, you know, people sometimes scoff at the fact we have the different classifications, but it just puts more kids on the mat. And uh, and like I say, we were a small 1000 student school, but we put out three All-American, NCAA All-Americans, national champ, uh, and two other placers from that little school. So, uh, so it, it, you know what, that school could still be producing. It's, it's got the athletes, it's just the culture and the the mindset. I left when I did leave, I left it. They were runner-ups twice. I think they should have won it. But I guess the uh, chemistry wasn't right or something, you know. Yeah. Well, and to that point, you know, I wanted to ask you, I do want to talk about Candy Money versus Mike Sheets. Don't let me forget that because <laughs> right. that's a high school match that's just legendary. But oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell me about when you get in there, you get to Booker T, and I'm not so much interested in the technique because there's a lot of guys who teach technique, but what are you doing to instill a culture? Or like what are some of the building blocks you're putting in place early to create some success with whatever you're doing, is it culture? Is it attitude? What is it for you guys? You know, I've been asked that a million times and, and I, and you know, I'm a very fundamental wrestler. I wrestled three years in high school. Great coaching though. Oklahoma A&M turned out great wrestlers. And uh, my coach was a great coach, technical. He was very technical. And, but my, my style of wrestling was simple as heck. You know, it was good doubles, good singles, stand-ups. And we rode back in those days, you know? And uh, <laughs> so I just had a good foundation uh, of being a wrestler. And I had, I was, I was built well for it. I, it, it fit me. If I'd had couple more years in school you know the guys that beat me were always uh, three or four more years of experience but i think that really it was not the technique not is this a sincerity they knew i cared for them they knew that and i slept with them i ate with them i stood up for them uh, i believed in them i could get emotional because i still do believe what we had going and i think that was it honestly it, yeah you can see the truth. You know when somebody's real. And they knew it wasn't about me. They knew that I believed in them. And I, you know, I tried to get them, <laughs> I get them into school. I had Hooks, the, the little boy named Hooks, uh, Stan Abel had him ready to go. Jerry Stanley was his assistant, supposed to sign him on that Friday night. He called me and said, Hey, coach, uh, I, uh, I'm supposed to be there at night. You think I could do it in the morning? I said, yeah, he's going to sign with you. But the coach at Kentucky, I think it was Fletcher Carr, came into town to sign a couple other kids I had and took them all out and signed him at night. So when Jerry Stanley came around the next morning, I said, I took him over and we found out. I went, oh, my gosh. And, you know, I I honestly believe that – that's what cost hooks the opportunity to be the wrestler he could be. And if you ever talk to Kenny about it and you ask him about Rodney hooks and, uh, because he, he got lost at Kentucky. He never, uh, I don't know if Fletcher kept up with him, but he didn't, he was back in about a month. Mm. So lost that semester. But the point being is we had him set up Thomas Landrum the same year. He has coach Gable, 
uh, and OSU on the phone and had his own press conference and, and then signed and went with OSU. Uh, but he took fifth in the nation one year. Mm-hmm. And so it's just that. And so that's the chemistry. Those two guys get wrestled. And when you have guys like that, that can wrestle, you bring in like Kenny and then you bring in these athletes who wrestle them every day that helps them to learn. You know, they come along yeah. fast when they have somebody that they can go compete with and go against. And those seven years were really nice, right? And it was a, it was fun for me. They had fun. And I, like I say, I'm still very close to many of them. What was the tensions like with the desegregation and the busing back then? You know, I didn't, I, I didn't feel it. I didn't see it, obviously, by them not letting us in those Tulsa team, Tulsa tournaments right off the bat. I felt that way. That's about the only time I've really felt that way. Is that why but, you think? A little bit of that? Oh, I don't know. I, I hate to even put that out there. I just, the fact that we wasn't good enough to be there right. uh, kind of bothered me, you know? Yeah. But, but, uh, so I can't say that honestly, but it wasn't, it wasn't. And now look here, when I, the word got out that I had the Booker T job, I had a lot of negative advice from white counterparts, you know, oh, you don't want to do that. But you know what? I knew I wanted to do it. That, that was the whole thing. And, uh, and I, with all my heart and soul, I tell you what, when I got the job, I was weighing about 200 then I was powerlifting and I have I used to have black curly hair and it was the only time my hair was in style, Ryan. I just get up <laughs> morning and fluff it. I just get up, fluff it, and out the door I went. And Love it. Just fit right in. Yeah. But so, I think, go ahead. I was going to say, so you talk about so you're sincere and they know that. What about goal setting? How are you talking about that with the guys? Oh, yeah. But, you know, really what angered me the most was the academic uh, preparation some of them had okay not all some of them uh and it just felt i just felt so cheated that they weren't prepared uh to go to college like in the hooks case and uh and even thomas uh, landrum who went to osu he doesn't have a degree and i uh i was really trying to push him to i said you need to finish your degree and you could be a coach and, and teach pe and, and coach wrestling so I finally got his transcript and that was before you had to be working towards your diploma. Uh, you know, you had to be working towards your graduation. Mm-hmm. He didn't have anything that matched anywhere near completion. So that, that angers you. That to me is probably the only thing I think racially that bothered me the most was that. Yeah. Uh, and so you're, you're working with the program, you're committed. And like, I don't know at what point your wife realizes that you're, you know, going to be one of the greatest coaches ever. So you're going to be gone a lot, but I mean, you got to think from probably, I don't know when football practice started, probably like July or August through March, you're gone a lot. Did that ever come up as an issue? Amen. It still does. Matter of fact, <laughs> 55 years. Yeah, it's good to know. It's, it, it never goes away <laughs> right now. She, she, she'd tell you look here. And also you like, you look here. So I got these three little boys and I'm off every weekend. You said it right. Uh, she's 
the two older ones started at five. Uh, the younger one, Rodney, started at four. So every weekend, through their growing up until they got to me, she was in an old hardwood gym somewhere sitting on a bench taking those boys across the state of Oklahoma. So she's got a right to complain, I guess. And she, <laughs> she tells me about that all the time, too. That's funny. Always gone. I said, well, I know, I know, I know. But uh, you gotta gotta make there's there's a balancing act and uh, there's sacrifices to be made. And, you know, you I'm sure to you, those guys in the team were like your sons. And so, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, they know I care. And, and I do care for them. It's just I still care for them. I can get emotional thinking about some of them. And, uh, and they've been and for the most part, they've been very successful. Uh, those kids that came through that program uh, with me, for the most part, most of them uh, turned out to be firemen, uh, policemen, uh, different orders, you know, life. And of course, uh, Kenny has gone on to being the three-time Olympian. And, uh, and I got to go to, uh, oh, we visited that school he's at now uh, up in Ohio. What is that? That's uh, yeah. What is that? I, I noticed he was there a couple, I don't know the name of it, but I know exactly what you're talking about I think yeah. of it right now, but, uh, but no, it, it, it was just that Booker T foundation was wonderful. And you know, the reason I left there, everybody always asked me that. Cause you know what I think? And I really believe in it. And again, I'm not coming off as a great technician and a, but I believe we had it perpetuating and that if I just stayed there as far as record to go, I think we could have matched anybody in the nation because it was perpetuating. I wasn't going to change, but I have three little boys. And now I, I started coaching football, right? And there's baseball. I coached them in baseball. I started them wrestling. And the older one was reaching the point that, and I had, a, they were still in the blue tea program. So they were doing, but that program was going, it was going away. It was, it's the city mm-hmm. was changing. Uh, that community was changing. And uh, they got in on the very end of that program, that blue tea program. So what do I do with those three little boys? And that's when I had to make the change. And it was, it was simple. I, I told my principal, I said, I've got my three little boys. And, and uh, he said, well, you could bring them here. And I said, well, they like to play football. We don't have a baseball program and I coach football. I ain't going to play football here. <laughs> Wait, that's hard. how good Booker T was that your own sons probably, and your sons were legit wrestlers. So like you could fit, but that's how good the f- football program was back they then. Were, and they were, look here, tallest one's uh, five, nine. All right. And he wasn't five, nine until full grown man. Uh, and they played good football. They did. Rodney was a quarterback. Biff was a quarterback. Sean played multiple places, running back, a defense. They played. They got to play. That's the point, right? And they got to play, okay? And they played baseball. And I coached them both in football, baseball, and wrestling as they were growing up. But I just realized that I needed to be with them and that they wouldn't uh, – I didn't think they would do well in those other two sports and and – so I just, uh, I told my principal and he was really shocked. I said, uh, I'd like to stay here and teach. And I brought, I had a good, a young man who had wrestled for me that I thought would do a good job. And he said, well, you Tulsa, you, you had to go on a trim list that first year after you turned down a head job. I said, well, okay. And, and no sooner did I do that, that, my list, my name hit the list. Tulsa Webster picked me up. That's my, where I live. That's where the kids were going to school. And that just happened like that. Mr. Lacey actually got mad at me over that deal, thinking that was a, a plot, <laughs> but it wasn't. That's just the way it happened. And uh, 
what kind of school was Webster's compared to Booker T? Well, it's an all it, at that time it was just almost completely white, but like I say, it was a blue collar neighborhood, and and as time passed and times changed. When those kids graduated from Webster and got kids, they moved out. They didn't come back to the community. So it's completely changed. We lived there all our lives. And uh, the school has a great record. Do you check their national uh, wrestling record? It's really good as far as NCAA. And, uh, but the community went away. It was changing. By the time Rodney got out of there, it was probably the last good years that they had. And, uh, but it, we still have family there. Uh, west of the river was our home. It was west of the river, and it's and uh, we still love you know the community. And so you get there, and ultimately you do win some state titles there, if I'm not mistaken, at Webster as well, right? Right. Oh yeah, uh, we won four state titles there, and but it they had been good. They really had been good, but it seemed like they got into a just being good was good enough. Uh, the thought of winning a state championship, I don't believe it entered anybody's mind. And uh, I had to change that. I had to change that culture. With the older boy, I coached his football team. They got good. We, uh, we, we My career, I think we've been runner-ups my entire career at least 12 times, 12 times state runner-ups. That hurts, you know. My older boy's team lost the state title by a half point. Mm. And there's a story to that. But point being, uh, it drops off after him. The middle boys teams, uh, there's a little politicking going on. Uh, you know, you're the coach at the school. You live in the community. All of a sudden, uh, you know, they say coaches, sons, it's all this, it's and all that, you know. Right. So it drops off. And with Rodney's bunch, uh, well, it drops off. We were runner up. We always top three or four, but we didn't win the title. Uh, but in Rodney's bunch, I made up my mind, uh, these kids are going to, I'm going to raise these kids and they'll be mine. And I won't have to mill with mess with a parent that's disgruntled or this and that. So I went down to the, uh, the, you call them the projects. It was federal housing. I had a big sign and I, and this is football season. I said, Hey, uh, uh, I'm going to come down here and you're going to play football at blue tea. I'll give you a ride up there every day and, and a ride back. I had an old Chevrolet pickup and that first night I had about 20 people in it. And I think half of them just wanted to go along for the ride. But from that group, uh, Rodney's group came along and won the four state titles. So and, you drive down there and you just basically are recruiting kids off the streets to come and be a part of sports. And you're providing the structure to get them there and back. They live there in our district. That was all perfect. I just provided them transportation in that old pickup. And back then, you could put people in the back of a pickup. You can't hardly get away with that nowadays. Right. But, but I would – and, of course, the number dropped off. But the key elements of that program, of that team that Rodney was a part of, uh, they stuck together. Right. And, and they were – we put uh, – the same thing. We took uh, – I think we took nine to the state tournament that first time and put eight in the finals. So, uh, so, you know, they were a good bunch. Yeah. So, uh, I had an all American there named Sean Harrison, OU all American. And, uh, of course the boys, all American, the NAIA, uh, division two. And then of course, Rodney and, and division one. Yeah. Now so, 
I want to come back to a couple of stories from your, from your kids wrestling. Cause I'd love to just kind of hear the bifurcation of how you, how you coach versus how you be a dad. But I want to get your thoughts on two other guys real quick. Um, neither of which, neither of which are with us still. And, you know, I did a documentary on the Smith family and one name that came up all the time, Tommy Chesbro. Did you ever have any chances to interact with coach Chesbro? Constantly. Uh, Tell us about coach uh, Chesbro. Oh, well, he was brilliant. He was OSU's coach. And I had for 13 years at Webster, uh, at Booker T also, but mainly at Webster, I had the summer program, the only freestyle program in Northeast Oklahoma at the time. And uh, so what I did, I charged everybody $35 and we'd have hundred people in there the first night. And then every, every week I would bring an OU or OSU, mostly OSU, all-American or champions in there. Tommy Chesbro probably in there four times through the years. The guy that was in there the most was John Smith. But one year, you know, the Olympics were training at at Stillwater. I had every one of those guys in there one week or the other. But I do remember Tommy and what Tommy would do. uh, Todd would be uh, a little bitty boy at the time. And he always did demonstrate. I heard he was like a robot. He could drill so good. Oh, he, he was. How about tell you? It's beautiful. And uh, Tommy would just, hey, now, da, 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 you know, by this time, he's a little elderly. And those boys just robots. They just, I mean, Todd. So I had him in there. I got all that stuff on video, by the way. I got the only guy, oh. the only guy I couldn't video. Uh, Nate Carr said he had a contract and he wouldn't let me video him. But uh, I have some of that. Now, Rodney's got a bunch of it, but uh, we need to put it all on disc. But, wow, uh, we do need to put that on disc. That would be incredible to see. Um, every one of them in there at one time. And I heard Coach Chesbro would even wear like Levi jeans. You know, he wouldn't even get in the sweats and he would just wear jeans and kind of call out commands. Well, now, when in the room at, at OSU, that and that's exactly what he did in my place when he came in there uh, was – Todd was doing the, you know, doing, he was just instructing him very technical, very brilliant uh, mind and uh, good stuff. And, but Todd would just go through the motions, you know, he'd grab somebody and he'd, he'd show everything. And uh, strangely enough here, in my last few years at Cashew, uh, I, we wrestled against uh, Todd at Bishop Kelly. He was, had his son in there. And, yeah. uh, uh, and I, of course I watched him as you probably did too, through the uh, NCAAs always. <laughs> Yeah, but, no, uh, Tommy was, uh, Tommy was uh, quite a you know, it's a terrible loss uh, the way we lost him, but uh, mm-hmm. I would say he was quite a gentleman. Yeah, that that whole era of you got Myron Roderick building mm-hmm. up the dynasty, Chesbro comes in, wins it, Gable mm-hmm. comes in, and then there's some heated rivalries. I get chills talking about this stuff. Coach Chesbro's coach of the year in 1984, then he gets fired, Joe C comes in. They put together a pretty good run. He gets, he gets outed and then John Smith gets yanked from competition. He becomes a coach and like the, there's the, all the sanctions and all that. So it's like, that is just like, man. And then, then also you got Leroy Smith, Randy Lewis, you got John Smith, Randy Lewis, you got all of that going on. So that is just such a fun time. I tell you something here in the state, that has been something that uh, it really has been uh, keeping up with them. And it's been very colorful. I have, I have a Dan Gable story. I really like to tell. Uh, uh, I got selected to do the Monterey had a wrestling Monterey, California had a clinic. And then of course, you know, you win these state titles. So they think you're a great technician. And, uh, but I get invited to come out and fly us out, my wife and I, and, uh, Boy, Monterey, California. You've been there, Ryan. It's it's a pretty nice place. Beautiful. I have been there. 
as we the pride picked us up in Tulsa, uh, Coach Gable, and uh, oh, big strong wrestlery. I forget his name now. You would know him, All American National Champion. They were sitting there, and it just so happens that uh, the, his assistant was in the one seat, and Tommy's cross. I mean, and Dan was crossed in the other seat, and that happened to be my wife and I's seats. You know, and I, <laughs> so I had to move Dan out of my seat. <laughs> He's a gentleman, you know. I said, oh, he is a gentleman. So I got to sit there and talk a little bit to them. When we get to the clinic, uh, who do I follow? Dan Gable? Gable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But I got up there. I opened it up with, I want to thank Coach Gable for being my opener here tonight. And uh, <laughs> I got a little icebreaker there, you know. But uh, that was that was fun times. And uh, Man. Now, so, you know. other guy I was going to ask you about is I already mentioned him, Myron Roderick. You know, you hear like this guy was like kind of like on the on the Mount Rushmore even back then, you know, and you hear different stories about the guy. And, uh, you know, when he was AD, maybe wasn't the best move to fire coach Chesbro. That's just me look, being armchair quarterback looking back. Seems a little crazy. But um, what kind of like mystique did Matt Roderick have in the state? Oh, gosh, you know, he was such firebrand just boy just always you know and stocky and me i tell you he he just seen cold chills down you and he but he was always very personal and he once he learned your name he knew your name oh you know byron roderick hey coach how you doing ernie how's things and oh man you just he felt like he's somebody you know and uh (laughs) and you know he was ferocious uh a racquetball player i think that's how he got hurt uh and those coaches competed a lot in that racquetball and i think it was handball at first but yeah he was a roommate and i see he my my coach jerry billings was on the team with myron and then myron became the coach so now he's on the team now he's the coach and i think coach billings i think he got reprimanded once for having chewing tobacco in the door room or something like that. <laughs> Coach Roderick, your fellow teammate. I thought that was a good story. But, That's uh, like what Roderick is. He's like, yeah, he's player coach. And he's like AD, he's head of the Hall of Fame. Like he had, he is, he had done everything. And he was like, you, know, you talked to anyone from Oklahoma during that 60s, 70s, 80s. Myron Roderick was like, you know, I, oh, I don't yeah. say this slightly, like just like godlike almost, like insanely popular. Oh, he was. My gosh, just to get a nod from him, you know. Uh, like I say, mentioned my name once. Well, good grief. I, I made good. It. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it. And oh, he was intense. I remember. I think the last time I saw him, actually, he was he was instructing in a in a camp there on on campus at OSU. And oh, I mean, he was just a firebrand, you know. And he was, I would, gosh, probably close to forties, late forties by that time, you know. And he he didn't show it. He didn't show it at all. Yeah. Now, was Tulsa an OU or an Okie State town? You know what? Uh, those, if you get to looking at national champions, they had a lot from Oklahoma. A lot of them did. Uh, Tommy Evans was a national champion out of Will Rogers High School in Tulsa. Billy Carter was a Webster national champion. There, but they also had they had Oklahoma A and M national champions. You know, before they were the Cowboys. And I think if you went to looking at the books. It was probably 50 50, pretty close to it. Champions on both places. They really, Got it. they were turning them out. And, and Oklahoma was very strong at the time. And of course, their number one competition was O State. So, uh, yeah, it was quite. I remember going to duels at Old Gallagher 
and I even probably never had the chance to be in old Gallagher, but old Gallagher was a typical old type stadium. And a coach would take us there a couple of times to watch him wrestle. And it was Oklahoma OSU. How and big was it for that bad boy? Know, but, but, you know, that's what I was getting ready to say. The mats here, as I swear on every, the team was crunched up against it. And then from every space all the way to the roof of that place was uh, all you could see was people. All you could <laughs> see. Now it, it probably, golly, what would it seat back in those days? Uh, <sighs> Uh, three, three thousand, four thousand. Maybe that would be stretching it, you know. But I mean, every spot had a body on it, and it was something else. It was, it was something. Well, the uh, you know the guys from that era. When I was interviewing, um, you know, Mike Sheets or Leroy, they would say that literally there were lines for tickets back then to go to a to like an oh. Okie State OU duel. Oh yeah, like I say, he took Coach Billingson would take us, so he had to make he's an OSU grad, Oklahoma, and, and so he had to pull some strings to get that many spots taken up. You know, yeah, I, I have a good Smith family story. I don't know if you ever met the the, the patriarch of the family, the, the father. Big Lee never had. Nope. Oh my gosh, yeah. uh, he big guy. I mean, he's tall, you know, and he kind of tall, and he was, of course, you can imagine in Oklahoma, this is. Leroy Smith here, you know, and uh, uh, that was there's going to be an all state all stars trip. Jim Thomas, I think, was the guy back then that was putting it on with the AAU to Japan, three week tour of Japan. So uh, that I took uh, all the black kids from McLean and uh, Booker T. We worked out together and they all went down there with me to uh, I guess we were in Stillwater to the tryouts for it. Now, Jim Mundy, who was a great wrestler, uh, but never won the state title because Leroy beat him. And well, we wrestled Leroy in that, uh, uh, that trials to go to Japan and Jim beats him first time ever. So Jim gets to go and Leroy don't. And so I think for some reason, Leroy senior didn't, take a liking to me at that moment and uh next time we had a national tournament in oklahoma uh we had the national tournament there and i i walked i had one of my former wrestlers was working he was on the floor there's about 10 coaches standing out there high school coaches he can't do this now standing out there talking before that everything got going mm -hmm. and uh, when i saw him, my wrestler he hollered hey coach and i walked in there and i was standing there talking to him and I looked down the other end of the floor and I saw Mr. Smith coming. And I, I kept, kept, kept by on him. I kept, he coming right at me. <laughs> and uh, he got there and told me I should get out of that. He said, I said, well, I was just talking to him. He said, I don't know. He said, well, you need to leave. And I said, well, what about these other coaches? And, but anyway, I left. I took the command and I left. Years pass, years pass. Okay. I have uh, Mark Smith's son in my program. At, at, at Casha Hall. No way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he started, he did, he may have wrestled a little, but he comes to us pretty fresh, not too much wrestling experience as a freshman. And so I have him for th four years and his senior year is having a good year and, and we're having a football game. He's playing football. It's cold. And Leroy Smith is there. Grandpa's there. And so I took, I had to get my nerve up. And it's cold. It's halftime. I saw him. I said, 
Mr. Smith, I said, would you like to come up? The wrestling room's right here. Would you like to come up into the wrestling room here where it's warm? And, and you know, he said, yeah, okay. And uh, just by happen, I just happened to somebody put a poster, OSU poster up right outside the door. So we went in there and we talked for a while. Anyway, time passes. He, I felt, okay, he likes me now. And time passes, and Luke's a senior going to wrestle for the state championship there in Oklahoma. And he's wrestling this beast from Tuttle, one of the prettiest humans I've ever seen. And he's just beautiful. And I thought, oh. and Luke was always kind of plump. And I don't know, he service on Mark back in the day. Pretty yeah. simple. And not taking anything away from Mark. Uh, but uh, – Next thing I know, I have this I'm getting ready to wrestle. A big old arm comes around me. I look up, and it's leader. Well, you know, coach, uh, none of my sons or grandsons have ever lost state championship. I go, <laughs> 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 I go oh, God. Man. Luke, Luke Penn's a big old boy. <laughs> You're good. You're golden now, coach. I love that Luke. I'll tell you what, he pulled it. <laughs> man that's crazy that going back to the japan trip though knowing like how influential the smith family was that they let that decision stand and they didn't you know everything just kind of played out crazy and and see i took i think we had i don't know we had 10 people but just so so happens i i took uh see of mine i had one two three of mine and then mclean had uh Three, so we took six kids on the ten man team from North Tulsa on that wow. trip. Now I wasn't selected to be the coach, right? I wasn't, they had already selected their Mickey Martin was one of the coaches, Homer McClure, Ray Nunley, and Mike Redding out of Duncan. So they had four coaches. They were the coaches for that team. But I get a phone call, <laughs> and the phone call was, uh, "Coach, we've decided that you deserve to go." Uh, come to find out uh, one of the wives mentioned to my wife they they let him go because he was familiar with the north side athletes okay. of course i i knew that all along but it didn't matter to me we spent three weeks in japan you don't get to do that very often you know wow that's that's amazing yeah. and you think back to you know youth wrestling now is massive right kids wrestle all the time but oklahoma was the first to really have that structured youth program where there was tournaments every weekend and it was serious back in the 70s and 80s and obviously now but back then it was pretty unique that the kids program was that developed and so uh i mean your kids growing up they probably wrestled all the time right they did oh yeah constantly they're three sport athletes but but come wrestling season football's over they hit the mats and they obviously all three of them all american at different levels and uh uh i think little bitty things uh the middle one i think could have been uh, an all-american uh, the division he wrestled at central took uh took i think third his uh sophomore year at, at the division two but he uh, and I think he would have been a definitely a Division Two national champion. But he said, you know, I'd rather take a shot at being Division One wrestler. So, yeah, it uh, it was just intense and and every weekend, like you said, that little kid's wrestling. I came home once from a high school tournament when the older boy was a, a freshman, and he went with me, and she had the other two. And I came home from a high school tournament in Wagner, Oklahoma. At, at 12 30, 1 o'clock in the morning, and my wife wasn't there. 
and those two boys weren't there. And I sat there for about 30 minutes. I thought, well, <laughs> I know they were at Sepulpa, and I, I thought, well, surely they're not wrestling. This is nearly 2 o'clock. When I got there, Ryan, that parking lot looked like it was midday. They had unlimited entries. And she had been, well, Rodney was a youth, and he was asleep waiting for his final match. And this is by 2.30 now. In the morning. Yeah. And uh, and uh, for the first time I experienced that, I go, oh, well, we'll never do this again. We, it's either got to have a limitation on it or what. On and she, bless her heart, and she, they were right there, 2.30 in the morning. Uh, I stayed, I sent her and the kids home, and I stayed because Blue T was wrestling. So I stayed in until they got through. So it's probably three or something before they finished. That's kind of crazy. Holy smokes. That's what I'm talking about though. Like the, the Oklahoma youth league was crazy back then. They're well organized now and, and they do wrestle a lot. And, uh, that's good. It's just, you know, it's, I, I, I believe in multi, I think you should experience high school. I think you should, uh, if you want to be in a multiple sports, you should do that, you know? And, uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, we have, we have a grandson right now that uh, is a good football player. And he made the team as a freshman here at Broken Arrow, uh, but he plays football and he he wrestles. So yeah, that be a limitation. I don't know, but uh, that's the way it is. It's tough, you know. And it's uh, I've had a number of people on here from the Soviet Union, and over there they do it the opposite. You know, a lot more practice, limited competitions until they get older. I think they may I think they may be onto something. You know, I think a lot of people yeah. can see that now, but. So I think so. I want to ask you about, uh, got a couple of things to cover with you still. We're having so much fun talking. Um, I want to ask you about two moments from your son's career. Uh, one good, one maybe not so good. So right. start with the not so good. Um, so I just want to understand how you process a loss and process defeat because you seem like such a positive guy in that perspective. But, you know, Biff was your oldest son, right? No, Sean is the oldest. Biff's the middle boy. Biff's the middle. When he yeah. got second in 91, and that was his senior year. Is that yeah, right? Right, right. That's Biff, yeah. How did you guys process that? Because I'm sure not being a state champ, being the son of a legendary coach was very tough. And that was probably a... I'll tell you what, if I had to rate the greatest kids I've ever had, and be honest, as just a wrestling coach, uh, that boy was as good as anybody ever was. Here's the thing. He didn't shave until he was 27 years old. Now, he's proud of a full beard now and all that stuff. <laughs> but, you know, there's some chemistry Im- involved with maturing. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, so technically, there was he was as good as anybody. Uh, he didn't have the full strength. Uh, and, oh, he'd do some amazing things. Uh, but I think the strength factor hurt him more than anything else. He – and that was a very hard loss, that 91. And I don't want to go into the opponent and – uh, let's just put it this way. Uh, I had one of my Rodney's teammates in the freestyle, uh, a couple, maybe three weeks after that state tournament, this guy who wrestled 130 in that tournament came in the room at about 122. Uh, usually you go the opposite way when a tournament's over with. So I don't, I, I'm not going to go into that, but yeah, but, uh, uh yeah, Biff, that was hard on him. It really was. And, uh, but he. Well, the reason I bring it up is I just want to know, like, what you are saying to someone after a rock bottom, heart wrenching loss like that, because everyone's going to experience it. Wrestling, yeah, it kind of matters. But really, it's like later in life, death in the family, lose a job, 
you know, there's going to be hard moments. So I'm just wondering what the great Ernie Jones says to someone when they're at rock bottom and how they get back up. I think, you know, I wouldn't have any brilliant speeches. I know that we just simply loved him and uh, he knew we loved him and I kind of get emotional thinking about it, but uh, I think he knew he had his support. I know he believed in himself and, uh, and he proved it. He moved on and uh, uh, proved to be a great college wrestler. I thought, uh, doggone, I wish we, I wish he had matured. I wish, uh, uh, we had had him at division one all along. Uh, but everybody can do that. You know, yeah. I, think, I think mainly is the fact that he knew how much confidence we had in him, that we believed in him no matter what. And, uh, that certainly, he handled that well. I think he handled yeah. it well. He did. And, and then your, your other son, Rodney, he's the youngest. He is. He goes to Oklahoma three-time All-American, just as, I mean, that's like the 0.1% of the world. And in 99, they win the Big 12. Were you there for that, or were you coaching high school? No, no, no. I, I'm, I in, uh, in 94, when we won that last title, uh, I knew I needed to go watch them. And it was time. I was kind of tired at that point. And so I resigned. I was athletic director, and, and I resigned the coaching and the athletic dire- director job. And all I was doing was teaching. So now she and I could go anywhere they were. So now we, we were everywhere they were. We were uh, somehow is getting to California. Sometimes is kind of rough, but, uh, <laughs> but no, we followed them everywhere they went and watched everything they did. And yeah. that, was, that was a blessing for sure. So you, I forgot you retired. That's right. I was going to ask you about that. So you retire and then in 98, you retire from Tulsa public schools, right? Right. I taught that. That's what, that's the period there from 94 to 98. I was following right. those guys. And at that point I, I went to work. Here's how smart I am, Ryan. My brother-in-law had a security force and uh, he paid for me to get my security license. He put me in charge of the Oklahoma Osteopathic College of Medicine, head security at uh, that school, making more money than I'd ever made, you know, in my life as a teacher. And, uh, my boss is my brother-in-law take off any time I want, uh, five days a week, 40 hours a week, more money, no stress. It was killing me. It was just flat killing me. How long into it until you knew you hated it? A year. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so then I get approached by a good friend who had worked with me with my assistant and he had gone to Casha Hall preparatory school. And there was a wonderful, uh, surgeon there who had two boys and a girl, but the two boys had been in the toss of wrestling a little bit. They wanted, he wanted a program there at Casha. And so I interviewed, they, my friend said, Hey, you ought to look at this. And, uh, I finally talked my wife into letting me do that. She said, I promised her it wouldn't be like it was before. <laughs> I wasn't able to carry that out. No. But, uh, so that's how I got into that program uh, and back into coaching and spent 21 years there. What's uh, the first thing you did building that program? Well, uh, when they hired me, uh, Dr. Garrett was my close friend to this day and the other gentleman, uh, who was putting up the money uh, for the program. My salary uh, had to find a facility. What do we need? They said, what do we need to start a program? And I said, well, we could have a facility and we need a a mat. 
And they said, we'll find a fit. We'll get at you someplace to wrestle. Can you get the mat? And I said, yeah. He said, they said, we'll go order you one. And they flew me and my assistant, Holly Evett, to uh, where's a rest light at? I don't know, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, somewhere in Pennsylvania, rented a U-Haul truck. Just so chan- just so happened that they had, and I think it was a, I don't even think it was 38 by 38, but it was back then it was nice. And it just so happened to have a CH on it. Somehow somebody had canceled their order and it was Navy blue. And we loaded that up in that, at rent hall, at U-Haul truck, drove it back to Oklahoma. They rented a warehouse down off main street in Tulsa. We had to take my truck and clean it out. And we laid that mat in an L, this section, this section, and then that section, because there was pillars in there. And we started it at one of the, uh, parents came in and had to make the wiring. So we had heat and, uh, we started in a warehouse on main street that first year and, uh, wow. And the little program grew. It goes back to culture again, Ryan. Uh, most of those kids in those early days, it's a private school. It cost a lot of money to go there. And, uh, most of those kids in those early days, parents had been public school people who made, went into professions that made money. Understand? Mm-hmm. But they had always been workers, had worked hard all their life, summer jobs. And so the kids were pretty tough. And like I say, we were five times there. We were uh, state runner-ups to Perry and Tuttle. Need I say more? <laughs> and I really think at one point they bump us up into Tuttle's class. If it had left us down, I think we might have brought home a title or two. Uh, but we were five times runner-ups. Uh, uh, so Some good uh, kids coming through there. Tanner Gar- was it Garrett Garnett. I remember Garrett's his name. The doctor's son. Tanner Garrett's the doctor's son. I was looking at uh, a post. Uh, Chad Schedule's sons wrestled for me, and they went to Navy. And Tanner Schedule this year, he's in. He's the EIWA champion a couple times, and he qualified for the tournament both years. But COVID knocked him out, and then he he actually wrestled. But Tanner, uh, you know he. He was there three times, and uh, Tanner Garrett was, and uh, one one match away from All American in that senior year, two hundred twenty pounds, super heavy, you know. Yeah. So, Dang. and he's in right now. You'll feel good. He's a military officer in, in Germany at this moment. So, wow, at Delta Force. So, uh, so you know, we had a good run there, and I left him in good shape, and. I wanted to leave that. I want that program to survive. Every program I've left, I've left them with championships. The Booker T program was runner-ups a couple of times. The Webster program was runner-up twice. And strangely enough, the, the cash program, uh, I think it finished third or fourth this year. Uh, wow. Third and now, you, now you're at Broken Arrow, which in, I got three questions left for you. This is one of the three. You know, Broken Arrow, I think everyone in wrestling knows the dynasty of the Broken Arrow wrestling team. And there's massive school, just just a powerhouse. And your sons were the ones that, I don't know if they created it, but they, you know, they've won over 10, maybe 12 titles there. Just unbelievable. Um, I got to ask you, what's the uh, Latin on your shirt there? It's also on the sign behind you there. This tag laboo. They seem to want to keep it a secret. I've even tried to decipher it, uh, look up Latin or whatever the thing is. I never can get a straight answer on that myself. Okay, it might mean you're a turkey or something like that. I don't know. But, uh, you know, strangely enough, at Booker T, uh, Bill Harlow, OSU All-American national champion, took the Broken Arrow program way back. 
and uh, uh, we competed against each other and had some, about 50 50. Okay. And uh, so then Steve Dunlap would come along right when I was ending my career and he coached, I think he won six or seven titles here. My older boy, Sean, uh, is the winningest coach in the history of Broken Arrow High School. He won nine titles. And Dr. Garrett was able to get him into a medical supply uh, job when he resigned here. You know, uh, they pay a lot more in that field than they do as teachers. Yes, and they do. Medical device sales, a lot of wrestlers in that world. There, there you go. And so the opportunity to be here with them in this biggest school in the state of Oklahoma uh, just to watch them work. I love to watch them work. Uh, the challenge is big. The challenge is big. You say we've been right there at the top many, many times here. You have to stay at the top. So the job is big and I'm, there's five coaches and I'm number five. I consider myself the fifth wheel. I obviously <laughs> at 79, uh, I'm not going to be rolling around a whole lot. Uh, so I just try to do anything I can to help them and, when you think about the knowledge that you put Rodney's skills, Biff's skills, they've been wrestling since they were four and five through all of the college experience, all those great people they trained with, worked with, coached with, their knowledge has to be, you know, just they're great wrestlers. And so I'm really just the fifth wheel and have that grandson here. If I could contribute, uh, Hey, I'm not above bopping the mats, uh, I'm not above doing anything. It needs to be done. And right. so I feel blessed just to be here. So what's the, what's the state of wrestling in Oklahoma right now? Are you, oh, Broken Arrow still one of the top? Stillwater's the top program? Like who are the top teams? Well, Stillwater is a, a remark made. Somebody made the remark that, that John's having a little trouble at the national level right now, but he's got the best high school team in the state of Oklahoma. And that's for sure. Stillwater's loaded and uh, they're going to hang in there for a while. Uh, Edmund North was really a tough team this year. Tuttle's always tough. They, you know, these are nationally rated programs. And uh, of course, Perry's always Perry. So it's really good. The competition's pretty stiff. Uh, we're going to have to step up to stay at that level. And uh, But I think we're doing just fine as far as the wrestling goes. And uh, Is there a lot of recruiting out there in Oklahoma? Like high school, private recruiting, all that, all that jazz? You know, I, I probably think there's something going on, to tell you the truth. But maybe people would just rather pick up and move to a better program. I don't know. I don't think there's any enticement going on. But if you have a child and you feel like you he deserves to be in a better program and if you could legitimately make the move, uh, but you're not supposed to go out there, as you well know, and say, hey, how about you coming over to my club? And I never did. And – and I don't think the boys are either, but uh, I'm not to say it's not going on somewhere. You right. Know, we both know. It's just yeah. interesting because, you know, in Chicago, the dominant programs are always private Catholic schools. That's and true. not always, but I know my friend Mike Powell's, you know, he's upset with me right now because he, he had Oak Park River Forest as one of the great public schools. But traditionally, the private schools, they don't even hide the fact that they're going after eighth graders and they're trying to get them to go there. You, are there any private powerhouses in Oklahoma or is it all public schools? No, it's, it's all public. Uh, the high schools that are, and of course, there's no second level and no college level uh, Catholics, but uh, I, I'm aware of that too all across the nation. You'll see these, uh, these private Catholic schools predominantly mm -hmm. doing well. Uh, and 
certainly they just bring in anybody they want to. Uh, Kenny's program that he's trying to build there, that's doggone, I wish I could think of the name of that place. Uh, uh, but we were there, and according to him, it's going to take him a few years to – it costs a lot of money to go there. Yeah. And uh, so that's a handicap, you know, but he's he's there to try to build that into one of those powerhouses, you know. You got to get cool. someone to pay for the for the kids' tuition. That's the next level. Well, that's true, and that uh, that's that's high finance in this school. I think I think somebody said it cost around maybe fifty thousand. So, you know, wow, that's now, crazy. I may be wrong on that, but, well, but he's there to build. It's a in this it's a school that concentrates on sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the and then of course the great education, of course. Well, well, speaking of Kenny, and this is the second to last question. Just give me your thoughts on what you remember about Kenny versus Mike Sheets. It's great. And first off, you know, and, and I may have it wrong, but we wrestled Mike as a freshman with some other kid. I think we beat him. I think we wrestled him as a sophomore with another kid, and we beat him. I'm pretty sure that's a fact. And I don't want to get Mike mad at me because he's a pretty tough guy. But uh, we don't see him as a junior. Now he's a little guy. I'm talking little guy those first two times. Okay. And, uh, so we don't see him as a junior at all. So it's a home duel at, uh, Booker T and he's wrestling for Tahlequah high school. And, uh, and really, you know, cause Kenny Monday, geez, he's not even been tested in three and a half years, you know? Uh, and so you, and, and his parents, his mother especially, was a very beautiful woman, very still is, very fiery, very fiery. She always, I've seen her in those those uh, blue tea days and talk to junior <laughs> wrestling. I've seen her jump people out. Boy, I mean, give them a scolding. And, uh, and she was beautiful and she was, boy, she just intimidates you. And so, but of course, no problem because we never lost a match, right? <laughs> and so we're wrestling. Mike Sheets, and we're ahead, going in third period, and Mike ties it up. And back then, you could have a tie. And the match ends, and I remember kind of stunned, and then it dawned on me, where's Elizabeth at? <laughs> I wanted to see if she was coming down the stairs, but she was sitting peaceably up on the top. So, so okay, a month passes, a month passes, and uh, – we're at UConn tournament there close to Oklahoma city and uh, Mike and Kenny in the finals and it's third period and Mike's ahead. Mike's on top. I think it was a matter of 15 seconds or so to go. I know Kenny in the last few seconds hits a good reversal and I think he gets two point exposure out of it to pull off a one point win. And, uh, and no sooner does he do that. He looks up to me, up at me, and kind of, I had this all along, and my heart was just going like that, you know. Uh, and then I used to go. We used to go and scrimmage Stillwater, and that's when Mike and Kenny are there, OSU. And then they invite us down. We get to come down and just sit on the edge of the mat and watch. And I watched Kenny and and Mike. Golly, that was the most colossal practices I've ever seen in my life. It was just head to head, beautiful wrestling. I hardly any give or take whatsoever. It was just majestic. And I just sat there completely awestruck and they were great workout partners. And of course 
proofs in the pudding when they get Jeez, the- unbelievable. So when they wrestled that first time in the dual meet, Kenny Monday, you know, rumor has it, he had never lost a match. Never, yeah. like you said. Oh, I, he, you know, he lost that one freestyle match with me. And say so he might have lost some elementary matches when he first, you know, he had those two big brothers. It was just like at our place. We didn't have any furniture in the front room. They didn't <laughs> need it. And those two big brothers, they did exactly what my boys did to Rodney. They just tormented him. And so it was pretty obvious. And he was just thin. Oh, he was just a little frail looking guy. Uh, but he was a legend already. You know, he was a legend coming out. I could told you, I was completely uh, shocked that he was going to come to Booker T. And they, that mother and that dad got the rule change so he could wrestle as a freshman and become a four-timer. I guess the. Oh, wow. They had to get the rule changed and he did. And he uh, was the third four-timer in state history. So, wow. And then how big of a name was Mike Sheets coming into that match in the dual meet? Well, he, well once he tied Kenny that junior year, I'm sure his stock went up pretty high and I, I wouldn't doubt that he came in there undefeated. I, I don't, I didn't know his record personally, but uh, by the time they met at UConn a month later, there was everybody in there was focused. Uh, oh man. And it was a beautiful match. Mike, you know, <laughs> just a few seconds there. He, Kenny pulled it out at the very last second, you know? And yeah. uh, so, I mean, if it had gone on, they'd probably wrestled a, uh, well, just like I said, in that practice room, when they was in that practice room, it was, they made each other a lot better, I think. Look at that. I mean, those are the Oklahoma State teams that never won a team title. It's insane to me. You look at Kenny Monday, Mike Sheets. I mean, good Lord. You know, and there's so many more. I mean, there's tons more. John Smith was on some of those teams. Um, yeah, just a lot of great guys. Last question, Coach. Thank you so much for your time, by the way. Uh, this podcast is called the wrestling changed my life podcast. So I just want to get your thoughts. You've seen wrestling impact the Olympic, the Olympic greats. You've seen wrestling impact guys. We've never heard of that wrestled one year and they say wrestling impact their life. How have you seen wrestling shape and mold people over your tenure? You know, here's a story building that program at Kasha, getting those kids out. I had a doctor's son. And it got him as a sixth grader because I, when I went there, I said, I want to coach, I want to teach in the middle school and I want to coach the middle school football team and I'm going to recruit. Okay. Off the, and, and I had a doctor's son. And so I start from nowhere in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's hard start boy. And so I had him all the way to his soft, getting ready to start a sophomore year. He's going to start, he's going to make me a good wrestler. And he quits me. He came to me and he told me he, he had thought it over and he wanted to constant. He's, 135 pounds, five foot six, wants to concentrate on football. Uh, and I said, come on, man. <laughs> I said, geez. But he, he had his mind made up. He's very serious about it. And so he turned his stuff in and he quit. Okay. And every time I'd see him in the hallway from that time forth, all the way through till graduation, he wouldn't even speak to me. 18 years later, I get a letter from him apologizing for quitting. He says, you know, I wanted to, I was concentrating on getting into Notre Dame. That's where his parents had gone. And he said, I didn't get accepted. And it was hard on me, but I went ahead and got my degree. And then I applied their law school. And I came at the bottom of the rung at Notre Dame law school. He said, I'm now a lawyer. I finished at the top of that class. I'm a lawyer here in uh, New York city and coach. It was wrestling. that got me through. 
he said, I thought back to the how tough the practices were, how much you had to uh, apply yourself. And I got to thinking, well, if I can do that, I can overcome anything. Now, Ryan, I've heard that a thousand times through the years. And you don't have to. I had a kid that his dad was a good, his grandpa was a good friend of mine who had passed his senior year and really wanted the boy to be in wrestling. And the boy did, he never won a match. And he, he won three matches his senior year that was last year. Uh, he got accepted at a major university on his, on his grades. And I guarantee you those three matches and all those years from junior high that he did not win a match, but I guarantee you, he'll tell you he was a wrestler and it made a difference in his life. And I think I could repeat that story a thousand times. It makes it, if you take it serious and you apply yourself, you don't have to be the champion. It's nice if you can win, but what's important is what it does to you. If you can sincerely say, Hey, I was a wrestler. And so to me, that's what it's always been about there. It's nice to have the champions, but there's how many countless young men that never got to be the champion. Didn't get on the, didn't get on the stand. And I think the last one I'll leave with, I know you got to get off, but uh, had another one at Kasha who was a non-athlete. He was terrible. The only reason he made the team, his academic genius, he was an an orthodox, uh, but nobody else was at that weight. And he won a few matches and he was the varsity starter. And a kid had been injured. That's why he got to wrestle. The kid got well, doctors, and they had to rank and beat him off the team. And he sat there and and there with me as I, I mopped the mats and he, he lived in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. And he had to drive home. And I just, I called his parents. I said, I don't know. He's, he's emotionally really shook up. And they said, Oh, he'll be okay. He goes to Duke. He wants to go to MIT, but he doesn't make it. He goes to Duke. He has to step down and watch Duke. And, yeah. And gets an ROTC becomes a Marine combat officer talking to him. He says, coach, I figured I could wrestle. I could do anything. I think that's the story, Ryan. I bet you're going to hear a bunch. Love it. And he wasn't even, like you said, didn't even make the team like as a senior. I mean, he got to wrestle because somebody got hurt. The rule right. was that guy was legitimately hurt, went through therapy, came back, and he he gets a shot at going, you know, and that just broke that kid's heart. And boy, did it ever. But he survived it. And I just think you could go, I just think people ought to understand about wrestling is when you're sincere about it, Sure, success is wonderful, but I think you're a success if you if you compete, if you become a wrestler. I think it's going to help you in life. And I bet majority of the kids that go through it throughout the state, the nation, uh, they look back and, and they can attribute their success to wrestling. And it's so important to hear those stories because I've been a coach very little in my life, a couple of years. But you know, there, there's a lot of coaches that you know they see those guys and they're and maybe in their head they're like what is this kid even doing here? Like, he's never going to win a match, you know? And like, he, I don't know, like that's, I just, I can imagine. And then the good coaches aren't thinking that, but there's a lot of coaches that are, but it's like, man, you got to realize how impactful it is. Even if the kid never makes the varsity 10 years later, he's going to call you and say something that you had an impact on my life, you know? So it's like, those stories are great reminders. Oh, it, it, 
and boy, you talk about just anybody. Uh, the grandmother of the last one of those boys called me and just said, uh, just really thank me for believing in him. And they don't know how important that is. Just, just that, you know, how, thank you for believing in, in such and such, you know, That's hey, I got to go out one more. I, you know, you didn't talk about Rodney Kilgore, the national champion, three time American. You got to throw him in there in case he watches this podcast. Throw he was him in, a, man. Throw him. He's a blue tea guy, right? Uh-huh. All state football, all state football, court, uh, baseball, three-time state champion because they didn't let him wrestle for number four back then. Uh, so make sure, in case he watches this podcast, Rod Kilgore was a stat too. Ron Kilgore. Rod Kilgore, excuse me. Yeah, there's so many we left off, and if we did, we're so sorry. But, uh, man, Coach, it's been an honor. I had so much fun talking with you. I, w- I was going to ask you about your history teaching. I had so much more to go into, but, man, maybe we'll do it a, a round two if I ever make it down to Oklahoma and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll meet in person. Well, if you ever do, you sure to be to holler and we'll take care of you. Okay. Awesome. Thanks coach. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your efforts. I appreciate you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to wrestling changed my life. This episode was brought to you by SpartanCombat.com. Go to SpartanCombat.com to purchase a singlet combo, a red and a blue Kyle Dake replica singlet, SpartanCombat.com. And to watch the full video component of this interview, go to YouTube and search Wrestling Changed My Life.